Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. This is Dana, and I am joined by Heather, Lisa, and Meredith. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Everybody, welcome to Four Sober Chicks, and we have an exciting podcast today for all of you uh, with Heather, Meredith, Lisa, myself. We welcome Shelly and McKay. Oh, thank and you! Yay. Thank you for having me. Yay. We are so <laughs> excited for you to be here, and um, I'm going to read your bio here so everybody can get to know you, and then we'll we'll hop right in. So. Shellyanne is a compassionate, intuitive, and powerful workplace balance and performance coach with more than three decades of experience in coaching, business, consulting, and media communications. Three decades. You don't look old enough to be three decades <laughs> like, work here. It's <laughs> amazing um, what happens when you stop using. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> she has helped thousands restore balance in their professional lives for optimal performance while preserving their mental and physical health to fulfill their life purpose, experience joy, and fulfillment. She has supported the transformation of unhealthy workplaces to achieve balance so they can attract and retain the very best talent as well as protect and preserve the health of everyone on their team. In addition to her private practice, she also mentors hundreds of coaches across the globe to adhere to the NBHWC. I was going to have everybody wave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the IAPRC, which is the International Association of Professional Recovery Coaches, which is all of us. We can point to ourselves. Um, the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation uh, Ethics and Standards when Coaching Private and in the Workplace. She holds multiple international certifications and is highly accredited by several boards. Shelley Ann's expertise and passions are rooted in the areas of workplace wellness, psychological and physical health, addiction recovery, functional medicine, and holistic leadership development. Her expertise in these areas developed as a result of her being a highly driven performer who was so passionate about her work that she collapsed in her early 30s from exhaustion and stress when her body decided it just couldn't keep going. Since then, she has been deeply committed to unlocking the secrets to achieve and maintain balance in her business and personal life to perform optimally. She walks the walk by working on this daily using a holistic approach. Now she is on a mission to help others do the same. She mm. believes that in order for organizations to achieve their vision, they must have healthy, balanced leadership at the top who are committed to creating a truly effective wellness culture for everyone in the workplace. I want to put asterisks all over that one. <laughs> um, her reach outside of personal and corporate coaching is expansive and includes roles as an insightful and knowledgeable mentor coach, dynamic and inspirational speaker, and innovative television and digital media producer. 
So welcome, Shelly Ann. Oh, thanks, Tana. Jeez, it got me a little bit emotional when you were reading that for a second there about the almost collapsing at, you know, well, collapsing at my 30s and almost passing it. It's funny how that just sort of like hit me a little bit when you read that. It brings it up, brings it up. Do you, you want to tell your story? We would love to hear your story and how you got into all of this coaching and, and, you know, how you've helped us (laughs) with our coaching. Well, my gosh, I mean, I guess just kind of the high level of my story, you know, I think I was just always uh, a highly driven person from a very young age, you know, and I think I was always just trying to like win the approval of my parents, you know? So if I did well at this and did well at that, uh, that, you know, it was a big driver for me. And I think that that just carried on into my career early on. And so I was always trying to like give more, do more, be more. And, um, I think that that's what ended up just about costing me my life. And it was actually in the television and film industry where that really became evident because in that industry, you know, you had to work a lot in order to get ahead. And I, I wanted to, um, get to the top of that ladder really quickly. And, and, and in order to do that, it meant often, you know, working sometimes 20 hours a day, literally. And so I'd be working on one movie shooting at night or one production, and then another one developing during the day. And as a producer, you don't really make a lot of money until the cameras turn on. And so I was just doing so much. And unfortunately that meant that I couldn't like I just wasn't using and doing our healthy things in order to cope. Like I should have probably been, you know, jogging in between, uh, you know, calls or doing things like that or going to yoga, but I wasn't instead, you know, I was using drugs, alcohol and nor anything and everything that would just allow me to feel better. And, and so I think I, I've often said, I can remember making major business deals at the table, completely wasted, you know, and yet nobody, well, I think nobody knew, but I'm sure they did, you know, cause I mean, you reek of marijuana or, you know, your eyes and just the way, you, I mean, there's no way that I could have been performing at my best, but yet it was good enough. I'm sure because I was still succeeding and excelling. And so that's sometimes too. And I think about addiction and alcoholism and how people have this you know, automatically, like they, they think street person lost everything. And I've been in mental health seminars where I hear people talking about people like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's like those of us who look like me too, you know, and that I didn't lose everything. I mean, I imagine I could be a lot wealthier today and own a lot more had I not used all that stuff and wasted all that money. But, um, but I did. And, and so, but, but I didn't lose my home and I wasn't sleeping on the street, you know, that sort of stuff. So it was a little bit different story. And, um, I had access to a lot of different things, especially in the television and film industry. And then I also worked in the music industry. I managed a female recording artist at the same time. So, you know, backstage, there's a lot of stuff and, you know, you know, going to these penthouse parties for the film industry. I mean, there's just, you know, it is what it is. That's, that's just the way. And then, and I was one of those people who couldn't really control, you know, whatnot. So I was utilizing a lot of stuff to continue to function. And then I think that just continued to carry on. I mean, I, and then I became obsessed about trying to like create my own, my own business, uh, you know, as a consultant. And so I was working really hard and, um, and then eventually, I mean, I, I thought that I thought that I could do that and do it well, but then I did eventually crash. I did land in the hospital. It was at that point when they had said like, you have to change the way you're living your life or you're not going to see your next birthday. And you'd think that that would be, 
a massive wake up call, but I kind of didn't really believe them. That's crazy as that sounds. And so I did start to make changes, but it wasn't, it took me, I don't know. I said, I was always the queen of relapse. It took me about 12 different times to finally get it right. And, and, uh, but then, you know, workaholism, it's still something I'm trying to balance because I love what I do. And so I think that that's where it gets really challenging. And, and that's what I notice is now, like in the workplace, a lot of people, you know, we are passionate about what we do. And so then therefore it can be easily overdone. And, you know, just because you have a substance or something that will actually allow you to push through, that doesn't necessarily mean it's always a good idea to do that. And so I think that then, that, that high drive has still carried through to the work I do today. And I'm always having to like constantly think about, you know, is what I'm going to do going to be helpful? Is this going to be balancing in nature or is my overdoing it? And so I'm always having to monitor it almost like my own personal boundaries. You know, I try to disconnect on the weekend and just not touch my digital devices as much and try to do the things that replenish and fill my cup versus deplete it, you know? So, but I don't know, that's sort of the high level version of it. Um, that, and and that's, I, think I guess that's what comes out. Yeah. Go ahead. One of the big things that you just said, and, and we've talked about this a multitude of times is that was so many people think of an addict as they're homeless on the streets have totally ruined their lives, lost everything. And that is what kept me in addiction mm -hmm. for so long mm -hmm. is that exact state. I was like, I have a great life. Like I am not yeah. <laughs> because you, you have always associated that with that Hollywood version of what an alcoholic or an addict looks like. And it can be that very under the surface type of issue that we're hoping to get out to people. And Lisa has kind of coined the term, like if you think that you have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol on any level or mm -hmm. any substance, it doesn't have to be alcohol. Um, it's okay to push into that a little bit, to mm -hmm. look at it a little bit deeper. Get curious about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and then it even became not just alcohol and drugs. I mean, after I got into recovery for that, I noticed like how the food became the issue sugar specifically, um, because it's readily accessible, it's legal, it's everywhere. And so that has been like, th that has been my, my journey the last probably 10 years now has been trying to really dial that in. And it's probably been the toughest actually. I would say even more so than alcohol and drugs, because you have to eat, you know, you can't just abstain like you can with alcohol and drugs. And so that was, that's been, that's been even tougher, but I think it's just a journey, a daily journey. It's not one that you're going to cross the line on overnight. Now, one that resonates, oh, sorry. No, oh, no, go. What resonates with me is kind of highlighting these different areas that were out of balance in your life. And that's, you know, we were just talking about this before we came on to record about, I call it the recovery onion. A lot of people talk about it being an onion, but you know that uh, for me, it's really about inability to deal with emotion, stress, those kinds of things. Um, and so I'll use anything, work, food, drugs, alcohol, um, relationships, whatever it is to kind of not have to feel. And so in recovery now, I need to really play that behavior, play that scenario ahead a couple steps to see if, like you said, those boundaries, like, am I really operating within 
what's best for my recovery? What's best for me? You know, am I, is this going to get out of control? Because it could be, I just went on a trip and I couldn't drink. And it was the first time I've been traveling and that's for another episode, but it was a really different experience. And so gelato was my best friend because like, you know, it was, I was out of my comfort zone. I was, um, you know, I was, my son wasn't with me. There's a lot of things. And I was constantly being asked about alcohol. Like I've never had to prove it or vet it so many times. Um, so that was kind of, that resonated with me, you know, that like, and it's, yeah, we still have to eat and we should be eating gelato at some mm-hmm. times, you know? Yeah. It's like, not a criminal thing right? <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy it. Um, maybe not as many times as I did, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, that resonated with me. But like you said, you were kind of out of balance in that mm-hmm. moment too, right? It was like, things were very different. That's why I think balance making sure that we do, we do come from a place in balance is so key because it it's actually what sets us up for success. I think when you are, you know, in balance, but finding that spot in being in balance is hard too. Like, and it's so different for each and every one of us. And, and I just notice how even the tapes in my head, like I, I, you know, I will be the first person to put someone else before me because I'm just a caring spirit and a compassionate person but sometimes I have to put me first, you know, and that I find that an interesting challenge that happens in my head on a regular basis, you know, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that I actually even have to second guess that or think about that. And I wonder, do other people have that same challenge? Yeah. You're all shaking your head. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very, I still have a very hard time saying no to to helping others to assist others to support others even when i am struggling and i am burned out which i am now like i am in complete burnout mode i'm actually taking september off oh (laughs) good for you to get myself level set again um you know and and but i still find myself you know walking over that boundary line that i keep trying to put in place for myself and i'm like how do i do this you know, and still be a pleasant person and not, you know, mm-hmm. sound like a bitch, you know, yeah. by saying no, you know, and, and I think that that entraps a lot of us with wanting to help, you know, and being in this type of, I don't want to say business, but it is, you Work. know, being in the coaching space, you are here to help others, you know, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about, but you, you, you said it, you know, you absolutely have to preserve yourself because if you're not good personally, mm-hmm. you're not going to be good for others. That's right. And that's well, and I think at the end of the day, my, my main goal in life is to be the best version of myself I can be for my family. And if they're getting the remnants of whatever I have left over, I mean, that does not help at, at all. Like they would pretty much get the worst parts of me (laughs) Mm -hmm. while everyone else would get the better. I also feel like there was so much of my life that was kind of wasted, you know, just getting by, just surviving. And I know it wasn't, it was a part of like what needed to happen, but I feel like sometimes I'm making up for lost time too. So I have this need to, you know, have all these experiences clear headed and to do these things clear headed. And, um, 
you know, it's that, what is that FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, like that's real, you know, I don't want to miss out on any experience because it's pretty amazing to do it. Yeah. And Shillian, how do you, how do you help some of your clients with this? Like, because you do work with those that are in corporate and that's the space Mm -hmm. I'm in. How do you show them the balance to make sure that they are peak at work, but also have enough to bring home as well to their personal Mm. life? Such a great question. And I, the, the answer to that, I think, is that, you know, it's really about each support. I help each person find their own path because, you know, what would work for Lisa might not necessarily work for Dana or work for Heather or Meredith, right? It's going to be everybody's going to need their own because we all have different limits and we all have different demands that are placed upon us. And so, in terms of like how I work with people, it's a lot of experimentation and a lot of self awareness, really, because. I think that that's the first step is really developing the the ability to be self-aware. And so you can do that in a number of different ways, whether that's like starting a, a small mindful practice or just taking the moment to pause sometimes and check in with yourself and go, okay, like, what am I actually really feeling in this moment? What is going on for me? And that sounds like such a simple thing, but it's not easy uh, to do that because we are also on autopilot these days. And so I think that really working with clients to, to be able to start to build that practice of self-awareness and then putting maybe boundaries in place, learning what things to say no to, what to say yes to. And actually that's kind of the, the, the been a bit of the strategy too, is figuring out like, what do you really want to say yes to? Because when you know that, then it makes it easier to say no to the other stuff that, that isn't on the yes list. But until you kind of figure out what is on the yes list, it makes it a little bit harder because then everything is a decision. And so there's a lot of mental energy that's invested in that, but figuring out what's on that yes list. And then, you know, really envisioning what that life of yours would be like, or that business or that career of yours would be like, if that were all the case, and then really hanging on to that. And then that does support, you know, some of the experimentation that happens then with like, okay, well, can I go to bed at this time, this many nights a week? And how does that affect me? And how does, or can I go socializing this many times and, and, or commit myself to this many volunteer activities or this many things. And, you know, cause I think, like you said, as coaches too, especially we're, we're givers. And so you really got to be careful. Cause like Meredith said, you know, that your family then ends up with like the leftovers, which is probably, I would guess probably the most important thing to Meredith, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And so they actually would probably be first on the list in many cases, or that's where you want them to be. Yeah. So I think that that's a big part of it is really getting clear as to like, what it really matters to me. What do I really, really want? Where do I really want to spend my energy? And, um, and in the workplace, I mean, that's, that just looks a little different in terms of what those is and how do you want to be as a leader or a manager? And how do I want to be as a professional in the, uh, you know, to my, with my team and the people who are looking up to me and looking to me for guidance here, how do I want to show up in that role? And, and what does the best version of that actually look like? And getting super, super clear on that, I think is, is like the first bit. And, um, and I mean, I think too, that people also think that, you know, that they could drink green juice and do a lot of yoga, and then they're going to be like really amazing in the workplace. But the, all the reality of that too, is that the workplace environment has to support the person to also take care of themselves because I've had so many executives and CEOs that are 
doing all the right things, but then the organization or the company that they're working within is just sucking them dry. And so, you know, there has to be that leadership down kind of buy-in too, in terms of the value of people taking good care of themselves, because otherwise it's not going to happen. And you just end up losing all your best people because they burn out and they end up on stress leave and they end up on, you know, absent from work and calling in sick and because they're maxed out, they just can't give anymore, you know? So I think, I don't know if I answered the question, I probably kind of went a little bit roundabout way there, but no, no, it was a, it was a great answer. It was, you know, that's, that's exactly what we were looking for, for sure. Lisa, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off earlier? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. There's so many, there's so many things Shellyanne has been saying that I'm like, yes, yes. There's little things going off. One, one of the ones was you were talking about your, your rock bottom. And we've talked about this a few times within our group alone. We all have had so many different rock bottoms and you don't have to hit a total rock bottom in order to have that epiphany that, oh my gosh, I have to do something about my life. Um, you know, we've talked to some people and interviewed some people before where it's like they've landed in the hospital like several times and then finally it happened. And then others who woke up like me at the beginning of the pandemic after I drank for two weeks straight and went, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. I don't want to do it anymore. You mm. know, and, and just that's all, it, not all it took for me, <laughs> not all it took for me. It took several years of me uh, examining it, but it just, it's interesting to hear, you know, I, I think this is part of the stigma. What holds some people back is that they think, oh, I, I'm not that bad yet. As, as Meredith was talking about before, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, think, well, I'm not in, in a park. I'm not, I'm, I haven't had a big incident. I haven't had a DUI, haven't been arrested. You know, all these things mm -hmm. haven't happened, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way at all. It's just wanting the desire to make a change in your life. So, totally. yeah. And I often think back to that too. I'm just like, okay, like I was, I was, I know some people believe in the term higher functioning or high functioning addict or alcoholic and others don't, but I'm just going to say like that I, I do believe because I was successful. I was still crushing my career and quite excelling at it. But I have to say, I really do think back to like, wow, what would I have been like if I wasn't under the influence? Like, yeah. you know, or if I wasn't addicted at the time and I was like full on Shelly Ann at that time, yeah. um, I think it could have been way more amazing. And I probably would have got there a lot quicker and it maybe wouldn't have been such a struggle, but at the same time, I mean, I guess, you know, hindsight's 2020, you know, that's all I, but, and there's never, yeah. it's never too late to make a change, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like, yeah, I can kind of relate to what Heather was saying now too, because now it feels like I got to make up for all this like lost time. So that's where you have to be extra careful too, because I think as people in recovery, you feel like you have to, although maybe, you know, like we haven't destroyed our lives or, you know, some of us have, some of us haven't, whatever destroy looks like for one could be different for the other, but, but that whole process of rebuilding and, or adding to, or augmenting your life in terms of making it the best it can be, you want to do it all overnight. And I think you have to be super careful with that because taking on too much, I often find that with clients where they just want to do so many things at one time. And I'm just like, okay, hold on. Cause you know, this is what's going to get you back into trouble here is we got to figure out like one thing at a time and just slowly building that momentum. And, and then I think that that's what creates long lasting, sustainable change. I mean, you know, you can, you can put all these changes into place overnight and you might rock that for 30 days, but then it just falls away. So I think if you can take a much slower 
approach and work with a coach over a longer period of time and do it slowly, I think that that's where you get the sustained change because that, or that's what I've seen. Cause that's where people, when they come to me and they're like, I just want to work with you for three or four sessions. I'm like, no, it doesn't work. I already know. Like, I'm not even going to take your money because I'm telling you right now, that's not how you're going to create long lasting change. You need to commit to a process and and that means a regular, you know, you got to, you got to show up for yourself on a regular basis for a little while in order to make this, make this change actually happen. Yeah. So I do know, I mean, obviously we all went through the recovery coaching, um, live session with you. I do know, like, there's a whole brand new certification for corporate. Um, what are you seeing on kind of that corporate end and the need, um, that's kind of coming about with this whole new certification. Yeah, that whole certification was created because of the demand that we're noticing. And the workplace division has been working with a number of different organizations. And they're seeing that, especially since the pandemic, I mean, I think it's always been there, but I think that it just got like amplified, you know, more so it's, I think it's the new pandemic is, is the prolific, you know, alcohol and drug use that's going on in organizations that people like aren't aware of, or they just don't know how to manage it. And so they're just ignoring it and trying to like sweep it under the carpet and pretend like it's not there. And so, I mean, I wish I could quote stats and numbers for you right off the top of my head here, but I, I, I can't do that and be accurate, but um, I could certainly get them for you if you'd like. But but the reality is, is I think just that the numbers, uh, you know, are are greater than ever before. And so you've got all kinds of folks that are, you know, working from home and have access to a lot more than they ever used to. So that makes it really difficult and or workplaces that where it's just the norm to like I used to work in the sales industry. And I mean, there was alcohol at every single meeting at every client, you know, um, function that we would do. I mean, it was, that's how we would draw the clients in. It was like, let's give away lots of free booze and food and we know they're going to come, you know? So it was just, so I think that that culture is there and that what, what our hope is, is that between the certified facilitator, the certified facilitators who do addiction awareness, that they begin to make change and an impact in the workplace where they start, you know, just opening up the eyes of everybody in the organization to what this does look like. And that the, 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 you don't have to wait until the need is there for somebody to have to go to full on treatment to begin making changes and, and start to create a culture that actually supports people to live and be healthy and not need this sort of stuff and, or not wait until it gets to that point where it's just full on treatment. Dana. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, we acquired a company a few years ago and all of their offices had kegs they, all throughout the globe. They had kegs, they had refrigerators full of wine and beer. They would have Friday parties and um, they didn't want to let that go when, when they got acquired. They were like, no, we need to keep this. This is part of our, this is part of our lifestyle. This is part of who we are. This is how we attract people. And I didn't think twice of it because I was heavy into my addiction at that point. I was like, yeah, yeah. there's a keg in the yeah. office. This is amazing. <laughs> this yeah. is the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's amazing because the company I work for is zero tolerance, right? There's, there is no tolerance to be drinking on the job. So, you yeah. know, you look at that and, and, but I was like, man, that's not fair. Just kind of keep this in. This is really great. But, you yeah. know, when, when you're on the flip side of everything and you're seeing it, it's like, oh, no, man, that was really bad, really, really bad. And, 
you know, it was before the pandemic. So I can't, I can't even imagine what would have happened in those offices had people been allowed to still go in during the pandemic. And if we still actually had that available, because mm-hmm. that got cut off, it, it did get cut off. Um, well, isn't that even a hard thing like to expect an organization? So let's say you have zero tolerance in the workplace, but yet they, they have all these activities where there's alcohol and yeah. like, they're actually encouraging that, but yet they're saying, but don't do it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the nice thing though, is that they're starting to, you know, they're, they're, they're cutting back on, you're only allowed to have like one drink on your expenses. You can't mm-hmm. be going full on, you know, open bar when you go out and you're, you're, um, you know, entertaining customers and clients and things like that. So they are, yeah. they are seeing the light and that's really important to me and the mm-hmm. stuff that I'm doing within inside the company too. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's amazing how prevalent it is in the workplace still um you know and and like you were all saying in the pandemic man this camera thing like i was it was like this you know ducking behind taking a drink coming back up you know not smart enough to find a container to put it in (laughs) but you know (laughs) um it does it it's and it you don't realize it until you're on the other side you don't realize it until you start seeing this stuff and being like, man, no, no wonder everybody's drinking. No wonder it's so prevalent in movies and, and marketing and all mm-hmm. of it, social media, the mommy wine time, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, that with um, like, I mean, when you think about it as humans, I mean, we're not meant to be in isolation and, and that's actually the exact opposite. When you think about recovery, the majority of that happens in community and or in connection with other people, whether you're following a 12-step program or some other means, whatever that might be. But most everybody that I know that has recovered has at least done it with the help of someone else. And so when you start to put people into isolation, mm-hmm. you know, that's not normal human behavior. That's not how we were war- wired and or supposed to be. So then of course, we're going to be looking for things to make us feel better, whether that's video gaming, pornography, drugs, alcohol, food, whatever, shopping, gambling. I mean, all of that stuff went through the roof, you know, during the pandemic. I mean, you see like the opioid crisis, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it's just, there's so much out there. So our hope is, is that, you know, if we could, I mean, there's so much stuff out there already that, that helps folks, but if we can also make a difference in the workplace, I think that that's going to really help people. Because, you know, you, like I said, you can do all this stuff at home, but then if you go into these workplaces where you're not actually supported to truly take care of yourself, then it makes it really hard to be successful at that. And I think companies are also now starting to wake up to the fact that, hey, if I actually take care of my people and I help them achieve true physical, mental, psychological, spiritual wellness, that they're actually going to give me even more like, you know, that, you know, I'm going to get more out of my employees. They're going to be better at their jobs and they're going to be the best versions of themselves. And so if I've got this talent now, I'm going to really like max out my talent, you know, and allow them to really, truly shine, which only helps the company because now the company is able to actually achieve its mission mission and vision. But when you're, you know, I've seen that happen in so many organizations where they're just like, they're doing the exact opposite, not supporting the folks within it. And they're losing all their best talent. I've seen really incredible organizations that had very powerfully important emissions and they're not able to execute now because they're losing all their people. 
And so, you know, so it's, it's really quite sad to see that. And, but it is so exciting to see that the folks um, in the eye care workforce division, I mean, they're out talking to major organizations that have thousands and thousands of employees and the leaders and the HR managers, they really truly do want to start to make a difference and really help people um, manage stress effectively, you know, take good care of themselves, have the true uh, emotional and mental support that's needed and support all aspects of their health, which then ultimately, you know, reduces the the need for all these other substances and or things that are not healthy for us. And so it's, I think it's just super exciting to see what's happening and that that shift is, it is on the horizon. And I think that it's, it all begins with the leadership in these organizations. And if they believe in it, then, I mean, cause they got to buy in first, if they don't do it, then nobody else in the organization will. So the leadership, I think really has an opportunity to make a massive change in, in the world today in, in terms of moving in this direction. And it's exciting to see that there's many who are doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. So today I ran a workshop for a major organization here in the UAE that's under their umbrella of We Care, We Connect, and they hired me as an art therapist to do a wellness workshop. <laughs> so it's really, really apropos Beautiful. to what we're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, really the, the, their wellness, they have an entire floor dedicated to these spaces where you know people employees can come and relax and and um the space was really really exceptional but now that we're kind of opening up because we're a little bit more delayed than kind of let's say the U.S. and Canada in terms of um of how things have opened up you know so this programming is now just starting to come back but they but I hear the difference. We need to support our employees. We need to help them with their stress and wellness. We need to uh, prioritize them. And um, it was really cool. It was a great experience and hopefully it will be an ongoing relationship, but. um, And I can only imagine how those people in that organization then feel and how they perform for that organization. Like Like you're sending the message to these folks that I actually care about you. How could they not then want to do more and, and be more for the organization? What was your, what did you notice with the people that you were working with, Heather? When, Well, they were, so there, a lot of them are HR. And so um, the woman that kind of organized it, she mixes all the groups. So there's no more than two people from each team at any workshop because she wants people to connect with, with the greater um, uh, group of people that they work with, which is really, you know, nice. And they, we're making these great connections because I did this whole ex- art experience where um, I love type A people, but I, I made them, like I gave them a set of directions. They didn't have free reign. They didn't have like, they were like, but can't we have more <laughs> paint? I was like, no, we're going to do two <laughs> colors, black and white, you know? And so when they did their whole thing, they were like, we really saw how one said, you know, I really appreciated that you gave me structure, but then I was able to just let go. And another person said, you know, I really didn't like that at all, but I worked within it and I still created this piece of artwork. And that's much like, you know, how I have to work. You know, I have parameters in my job and I can still create and be creative within those. And so it was such a kind of this, how they made these connections were really cool. I loved it. I mean, I'm, I love any of that kind of experience, but um, it's nice to see companies starting to do this and to think about their employees in this way. And this is 
they have like six or seven events every month that are like this. Fantastic. And it, and I think it's measurable too. Like that's the thing is like we're when or when I work with different organizations, we're talking about how can we measure that you deciding to take care of your people is actually going to have a difference on the bottom line, right? Because we want them to be comfortable investing into the facilitators and, or the coaches that are working in those organizations or anybody who's creating like any kind of powerful healing and, or, um, wellness, health and wellness, any kind of activities, we want them to see the difference in the impact that makes. And I mean, you all of a sudden start noticing, oh, there's less absenteeism. There's less people accessing their, um, their EFAP or, you know, um, in the U S you call it something different EFP, I think, or EAP, I believe EAP program. Yeah. You see less access to these, you know, less accessing are happening. I mean, you could, the employers can never tell sort of who is accessing what for what, but you just see the numbers starting to go down. Well, there you go. I mean, so as a direct correlation to the organizational's wellness right there. And then there's also a lot of people who just don't tap into that kind of stuff too. So giving them other avenues in which that they can take care of themselves, I think is really, really key. And um, I think everybody, you know, everybody needs to, to be supported. So should, at coaching, coaching, especially around the topic of addiction should not only be available to the top leadership. I think it needs to be organization wide and everybody should have access to that kind of support. So therapists are great, but at the same time, I think that um, change, you know, change management can be. Uh, really effective if it's done in combination with therapy and or you know individually at different times yeah yeah does anybody else have any questions don't wanna i just really appreciate you being here you know i'm a huge fan of you shelly ann and i think that like i've seen you um i see the giver that you are and and the amount of time that you take to mold uh, and help like the four of us in this room to become even better coaches. Um, I hope you realize the impact you're having because mm. it's pretty incredible um, because then I go out and all of us go out and we impact the next group of people, you know, and that's, that's for the, those of us who are in the 12 step program, that's, that's the 12 step, you know, that's, it's, giving it away and sharing it. And however that looks, you're doing it and you're doing it in a very significant way. And I hope that you um, take time to recognize that. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, uh, I, I feel like it is my purpose in this world to, you know, inspire people, create hope and healing. And I feel like um, if, if working with me made you all come here and do this, I mean, then, then it is actually working because you all have this desire to impact and touch other people's lives. And so, you know, hopefully, so it's, to me, it's almost like a, you know, a, what do you call it? Like a domino effect, right? Like mm -hmm. I want that you are all wanting that. And I think um, together we can all make the world a pretty amazing place. And we all just want the best for everybody. We want to see it. And, and I think we all want to share that message that, you know, no matter how crazy or challenging our lives are, that there is truly a different way to live. And that, you know, I, I know myself, I could never have imagined, like I, I remember I've talked about my story in the past before, and I've always said, I could never, I mean, I used to tell people, if there's no drugs and alcohol at your party, don't even bother inviting me. Like I'm thinking, how obnoxious is that? I can't even <laughs> believe I would say that. 
But I literally believed that. I was like, don't even invite me. And I just think to myself, like, I just could not imagine a world that was free of alcohol and drugs and how on the heck I would ever live in that. I, and I, and just now the fact that my life is sometimes I literally have to pinch myself to go, is this for real? Like, I can't believe that my life is so incredible and that there's so many amazing people and opportunities within it. And so, you know, if somebody out there is contemplating like, oh, should I make a difference? You know, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm working all these hours. My workplace is this, or my business is really demanding. Cause I mean, that's who I work a lot with is entrepreneurs and then leaders. But so if, if anybody's listening, that's like that and feeling like they're just so maxed out and that they're using whatever it may be to, to cope and manage that it doesn't need to be that way that, mm -hmm. uh, that you can be an even better leader and even better business owner um, with, without that and, or, and, and it, and it doesn't have to be like an all or nothing approach. I mean, that you can take it slow and steady and just make small changes over time because although lots of people believe abstinence is the only way I do also believe in harm reduction and just reducing and moving slowly towards that. And I've seen people just make small changes and they end up going from, you know, using anything and everything to, to complete changes. And I've seen people who've completely abstained overnight too, you mm -hmm. know, so there's everything in between and all journeys are good. Uh, uh, and that I don't think it has to be any one particular way. And, um, and I know that each and every one of you believes that too. And so anybody who would ever work with you, I know you would support that a hundred percent. And I mean, you're all some of the best, ta most talented coaches that I've ever met. So I, I know that you, you take that same approach. Yeah. We learned from the best for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. We know that it is in demand for very good reason, um, but we sincerely appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with us today. Oh, well, I'm so grateful that you thought of me and that you had me here today. Thank you for just giving me the opportunity to share, you know, my, my story and, what I do and, and going forward. I mean, if, if the, the, my big thing now too, is, is that I think because the, the food side of it has been the biggest challenge for me to like, I'm going to say there was all a challenge, but it's just been the one thing that's been the, the most complicated because of what I said earlier, that that is the, the area that I am, you know, going to be forging some, some new pathways within and within the workplace as well. So we're actually creating some groups that will be um, leveraged in the corporate structure uh, that can be done in the workplace that support folks around food, as well as some public stuff. So I don't know if you share any of my contact information with your listeners or how that Absolutely. goes, but if anybody is listening and they do want to um, you know, participate in something like that. Uh, there's certainly opportunities that are going to be on the horizon. So anybody who's struggling with the food and, or what they think might be food addiction, um, and they're using food to cope or they're using, um, other substances, certainly I can help you with the food side. And I, and, you know, you've got all these amazing coaches here that can help you with any of the other substances. So reach out to, to one of us or all of us and, um, yeah, happy to help. However, I, I can. Absolutely. When we throw this up, we will definitely include all of your, all of your contact info. <clears throat> well, well, thank you so much for having me ladies. Yes, it's really you. been an honor. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number 4SoberChicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.